Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we've got Season 7, Episode 4, A Disappearing Act. Mary, what happened this week? Callie invites the gang to her pal Jimmy's magic show, but first there's a vegetable cutting incident that leaves Jimmy's blood on Kelly's hands, so she has to spiral into a real quick panic about her health and sexual history. Brandon makes his official transition to campus television news and embraces the challenge of finding an anchor, Tracy, and balancing her levels of stage fright and sobriety. Val has theories about why married men are attractive, but none of them explain why she's pursuing Kenny. Donna tells Mel David hasn't registered for classes, which is honestly a good thing since he's been spending all of his time mixing coffee table margaritas and calling all of his industry connections looking for more work. That was a short synopsis. (laughs) It really was, and yet it covered everything. Mm Mm-hmm. Because... Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll just get into it, right? Yeah. Because it's it's a lot of short scenes and then longer scenes in between them because that first scene is introducing, oh, Jimmy has a magic show tonight and we should all go. Yep. But it's Kelly talking to Claire and Steve and Steve makes a comment how he doesn't want to interact with anybody from Friendship House unless like... He'll do it as long as he doesn't have to swap bodily fluids. Yeah. So insensitive. So uncalled for. Like, they were like, hey, do you want to go to a magic show? And he's like, not at their house. Yeah. it And, like, I understand there is a lot of, I guess, fear around AIDS and HIV and stuff like that. And so clearly that's what this episode is about right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it just... It's also it also shows how little people really knew about it, and mm-hmm. you know, being now in twenty twenty two, we know so much more about it. Um, not just what causes it, how you can contract it, all of that stuff, but there's just such a level of like, ooh, I gotta stay away. Ooh, I can't even come into contact. I can't even be around them. Meanwhile, they are totally fine being around Kelly, who regularly goes there and volunteers with these folks every other day so you can see there's a lot of like well I'll do this but not that and I'll do this but not that yeah I feel like Steve is supposed to be the example of insensitivity at the time and yeah like Kelly's fine because she's my friend Kelly look at her whatever but like not those people who are actually sick I need that like degree of separation yeah exactly and then they like kind of go on to talk about like Steve he says, like, well, when he dies, he wants it to be quick. Heart attack. Orgasm. Blah. But Claire immediately is like, you know, Steve, always about him. Like, not wanting it, like, death to take forever. Like, supposedly what the AIDS virus does to you. And I'm like, Wait. Claire, you're dating him. Like, she even makes another comment where she's like, it's not so much what I see in him, but what I choose to not listen to or something like that yeah I'm like hold on Claire you have a choice here (laughs) well and that brings in a whole other layer of insensitivity because Claire's mom died like within the last decade we know Mm -hmm. it was in her teens so like recently enough and Steve is just like yeah I don't want it to take forever to die it's depressing 
Yeah. It's just a classic, like, read the room and also why do you have to be so insensitive all the time? And we know it's Steve's character and, like, they did that for a reason. On anybody Mm -hmm. else, it would look really weird. But still. Oh, speaking of someone's character and things not looking so great. The next scene is David and Mel getting breakfast at the pee pad because it's the, dad, I need money. Where's my check meeting? Mm-hmm. Can't just like go to his house, like spend some good, good old quality time with dear old dad. Like, nope, just got to do a casual slide across the counter exchange. <laughs> I swear this scene is like two minutes long. David mm-hmm. scarfs his sandwich, takes the check and bails. Yeah. And this is even after Mel's like, oh, I'm really proud of you for the work you're doing. But and then kind of says like, well, but you have to remember, like, this is your last year of college. That's really important, too. And David just like. I I don't even know, like David pissed me off so much this episode. I feel like this is becoming a trend again Mm -hmm. where David pisses me off regularly because he disagrees about school being important, is weirdly and insanely overcompetent competent confident about his skills and like get he's gonna get another job like no big deal no matter what mza thinks and to the point where he's like clearly overcompensating you Mm -hmm. know like he's being overconfident and saying like well i don't care what anybody else thinks i'm gonna blah, blah 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 it's like okay clearly you're insecure about this so you probably should stay in school Yeah, when he makes that comment about MZA not renewing his contract having nothing to do with him, Mm -hmm. I was like, that could be true. That could very well be true. I mean, they let go of the guy that hired you, so that might just be like taking a clean break because your contract's already over. Mm -hmm. But I would love to know what David thinks it was about. Yeah. But yeah, he is so overconfident because he takes the check, goes outside – And then we find out that he has already dropped out of school and that he's lying to his dad so that he can keep collecting money off of him, which like, wow. I know. And you know the only reason he's doing that is because he needs the money to afford living with Mark, right? Is it? He's living with Mark? Yeah, it's Mark. Yeah. So that's the other thing. He's choosing not to live in the dorms first. Then he decides, oh, I'm dropping out of school, so I can't live in the dorms anyway. I can't tell my dad because this is my only form of income, essentially. Ah, just, and he's so rude this entire episode to everyone, especially Donna. And I'm like, how do these two end up together? Right? Like, he says he wouldn't have lost the contract if he wasn't carrying Donna. Okay. I just answered my own question. That's why he thinks MZA didn't renew the contract is because... He had to carry Donna, and Donna dragged him down. And so rather than just only renewing his contract, they dropped them both. And it's her fault that his future is in jeopardy. Meanwhile, just a wee few episodes ago, he was begging Donna to be his partner. He was begging her because she had the the creative vision or she had the organizational skills or the vision. I don't know what she had or what he said she had, but the second there's any sort of like adversity, he's like, Oh no, it's not my fault. It's your fault. And you're the worst, even though I begged for you to be with me and all this stuff. I'm like, why does anybody stay friends with him? I don't know. I mean, 
<laughs> to be fair, we don't see anybody else hang out with him a lot of the time anymore. It's That's just true. him and Donna because he's busy doing his own thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, the whole time they've had this MZA deal, everything has worked out because Donna has been there. They had the Strike the Match episode where the guy's girlfriend didn't show up, so Donna stepped in and did the thing, putting her relationship in jeopardy to help David out. Mm -hmm. There was the episode at the beginning of this season with uh, What's-His-Face with the British Accent, Taz Botel, that, like, she had to, like... She wrangled him. Yeah, she had to con Kelly into going with them to the shoot to make sure that the talent showed up. Mm-hmm. Like, they literally would not have had these two music videos if she hadn't been there. It's ridiculous. It's like... Anyway. I... Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. we have to move to another scene because I just, like, I can't come up with anything of anything else to say about it except for David sucks. And I... He's... Brian Austin Green is too good at being a jerk. Yes. That's he's very so true. Believable. He's like, oh my God. Yeah. Okay. He genuinely feels this way. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a lot. And you know, college is a weird thing because, like, you know, sometimes it is necessary for a career move and sometimes it's not. Like, sure. You know, there is real world experience that could be had. But I do wonder if David just stayed in school and kept doing you know, things with the school TV station and taking more like visual arts classes, mm-hmm. what that would do. Cause we find out exactly why people aren't signing him later on. Yeah. Or even like business classes to at least like try to understand like now granted, I don't know if in the nineties they would have had like a music business class, but I know at UGA they had a music business certificate program that you mm-hmm. could do. And so it's like, yeah, because a lot of the music industry is the business side of things. So I feel like David would really benefit from that to understand what a contract looks like, how to read the contract, what you should be asking for, what you shouldn't be asking for, like why you might get dropped. What are the terms? How do you put in certain clauses? Like all that kind of stuff. That would be very, very helpful. And Papa would pay for it. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's also that. David is younger than everybody else. He's still – I guess he's 21 because he's drinking throughout this episode, mm-hmm. like including at the magic show. Right, right. But he's still a very young kid. Like he doesn't – I don't think he even knows how to cold call. He's drinking margaritas while he's trying to sell himself. Warm margaritas at that. <laughs> but anyway, like, you know, we do cut over to the school where – I definitely did not understand that they were, like, doing a time test to make sure that Mm -hmm. everything worked. I was just like, this is not how you do VO. Like, Brandon is doing really well reading the script, but I I don't understand what's happening. It was very funny, yeah. I was like, it looks like Brandon's doing a voiceover? Huh? Oh, wait. (laughs) They were, like, literally my notes were like, oh, wait. They were just trying to time it to get an anchor to read it against the B-roll. Like, Clearly me just, like, writing what happened, then figuring it out. Like, Caitlin, figure it out, then write it down. (laughs) Yeah. So many times my notes are, like, five pages long because I'm like, what is happening in this scene? Oh, this is what's happening in this scene. (laughs) Repeatedly. 
I did think it was funny how Brandon was reading it because I was almost like, well, this is a voiceover. It's terrible. You know, because all he was doing was just reading the lines, but sometimes it'd be like, and then you get your pencils. Like, you know, very like sing-songy almost. <laughs> I mean, I did think it was very believable for how Brandon would read stuff. True. Because Brandon does not strike me as a front of the camera kind of guy. He's a newspaper mm-hmm. man. That's right. Well, and also, like, he does kind of have that, like, almost authoritative air about him where he'd be – he almost seems like a really good, like, project manager, Mm -hmm. which is sometimes weird to think about because he was a reporter, you know, for the Condor. So he was the one actually going out and getting stories and things like that. But he does give off kind of a similar, like, Susan vibe, like, to where he could be an editor. He could be a, a news director. You know, things like that because he like got that leadership quality to him. He was editor his senior year of high school, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah, because remember with Gil Ugh. giving him the editor job yeah. over Andrea for yeah. no reason. <laughs> I remember this now. And, you know, he and Mark are talking because they're trying to find a news anchor for the year. And they need someone who's smart, sophisticated, nice-looking, believable. And then it's the same, like, Brandon says newspapers are better and Mark says something condescending about people in television, but this is where he belongs. And Mm -hmm. you know who would have been an amazing news anchor? Brenda. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. Like, as soon as they started talking about, like, sophisticated, nice-looking, believable, I was like, Get me Brenda Walsh. <laughs> Get her on the horn. <laughs> Call her back from London. We have something important here. Man, what baffled me about some of this dialogue is Mark was telling Brandon, like, remember, you know, CUTV is going to be on cable and we're going to have 75,000 people watching. I was like, jump back. Hold on. <laughs> But I had to remind myself, no, no, like literally, probably, they probably, like a campus television that was on public access probably did get that kind of viewership. I mean, we're talking about like back in this time period when Friends was averaging like tens of millions of viewers for each episode. Like their rating points were like 15, 16, 17, like absolutely ridiculous. So at first I was like, there's no way 75,000 people would be watching a campus television news program. But now I'm like, maybe they would. Because in California, too, like 75,000 people, not that many people. Not that many people. And I guess, yeah, if you're thinking about like local radius, like Mm -hmm. I have no idea if tech has a TV station or whatever, but I know tech's radio station, like still pretty popular with people. Like if you're in the car, it's real easy to just turn on tech's radio station. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know at UGA they had, um, because I was in the broadcast journalism thing concentration whatever (laughs) who knows and theirs was Grady News Source and it also aired on like public access but no idea what the viewership was like I imagine it did not have a far reach yeah and I think especially now with like streaming services like Mm -hmm. I think I might be one of the only people I know that has cable and that's because old people in my building signed a 10-year contract and I have to pay for it yep gotta love it Gotta love it. Also, gotta love how intensely Nat keeps showing everyone photos of his baby. 
just like shoving it in their faces like look at the guy his name's frankie if you already forgot <laughs> yeah he's like here's your egg sandwich and my son here's yep. your coffee did you see my son what do so you think about my son so something that's funny about this is like i i was t- typing out notes i was like oh nat's showing valerie the pictures of frankie again and what's his face is there i could not for the life of me remember this guy's name i was like jimmy nope brandon nope steve nope <laughs> like literally going in my head like what the hell is this guy's name it took me the entire scene literally at the point where val's like you know what we have is there's no strings attached and i was like oh his name's kenny <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny to me that his name is kelly but with ends <laughs> I can't remember just his first name. It has to be Kenny Bannerman. Yeah. Oh, my God. What if Val realized that he's Kenny or Kelly but ends? And he was like, she's like, wait a second. I can't date you. You're too close to Kelly. (laughs) It's that like sitcom moment where his face CGI morphs into Kelly's face. Oh, my God. If I mean – in a few scenes, we already go to another sitcom place, so might as well add that in here. Exactly. But it's like a weird moment where he's kind of drifting off and thinking about his own son for like two seconds. So I feel like they're just trying really hard to remind us he has a son and a family yep. while he's doing all this stuff with Val. But then it's like, wait, 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 no, let's go back to talking about your renovations. And he says he's going to make some calls. It kind of sounds like, you know, she did calls and found contractors and got bids. And then he was basically just like, I'm going to do the exact same thing. Yeah. To be honest, I haven't even really focused on what exactly they're talking about business-wise because I'm like, eh, whatever. They'll, they'll figure it out. All I know is that the P-Pad doesn't have money. He wants to franchise it. They got to make some moves. I don't know. I think the reason I pay attention to it is I'm starting to get real sus with Kenny and that mm. like maybe he's not actually doing the things he says he's doing or he's not helping her in the way that he's supposed to be helping or like specifically with these contractors, it kind of feels like another like I guess condescending moment where she's like, hey, I did all this research and he's like, okay, I will mm. do research. Mm-hmm. Well, and you wonder, too, if he's just spending too many plates. Like, at a certain point, he's worried about his custody battle with his wife. He's worried about his divorce. He's worried about this relationship with Val. And he's got to worry about not just Val as his client, but all of his other clients. So, yeah, it's like maybe at a certain point he's going to drop the ball, a really big ball, and it's going to be something that's, like, super, super important. And now Val's, like, out again or something. Yeah, because you know if that's true and he's spinning too many plates that the one he drops will be Val because she's on the show. Yeah, for sure. Because, yeah, he mentions again after all of this custody about his son and that's really, you know, what Kenny seems to be about is, yeah, doing all of these different things and thinking about his son and thinking about Val but thinking about his son and his soon-to-be ex-wife and thinking about Val. Mm-hmm. And then we get like repeated short scenes of just Brandon and Mark trying to go through auditions and they're watching all these tapes. But then this girl named Tracy walks in and they think she's going to be perfect. She gives me um, 
she looks very similar. Do you know do you know in Legally Blonde, the brunette friend of Elle's in the beginning? Like there's the blonde and the brunette. The one who got bangs? Yes, I got bangs. <laughs> she gives me those vibes and also like Monica Lewinsky vibes. Okay. Yeah. I can see it. Yeah. She I think it's the hair. It's like the way she's doing like the sort of Rachel, but a little bit more like political. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense for being a news anchor. Like, I don't, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> I really want someone to go into a hair salon now and be like, I want the Rachel, but make it political. <laughs> now, picture me in a pantsuit. <laughs> Cut the hair to look good with that. <laughs> what haircut screams, I'm a serious reporter. <laughs> right. <laughs> Leslie Nope, 2020. Like, what, how can I? <laughs> Half a perm. <laughs> yeah but oh man yeah she has yeah. no experience whatsoever but they're gonna give her on the audition anyway based on her looks i mean sounds right <laughs> sure why not that sounds real boys yeah very boys very yeah but there's just like that keeps happening for a while so if we just don't talk about tracy for a while that's because it's all real short scenes yeah and i may have like, forgotten to talk about her well it's really like like before we get to one of the bigger scenes, like that immediately happens after that one, essentially like Brandon's coaching her up on how to like, like what camera to look at when like red light flashing, da 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 da. You know, she actually does a really good job at the audition, but Mark doesn't really think she's fit for it. And then this weird, gross camera dude pans down to her legs instead of actually doing his job, which is disgusting. And production even rolls the wrong tape like the wrong b-roll but she just kind of improvs and riffs on the fly and so she finally like gets mark's approval too which also camera two creeping down on her legs very obvious like those are giant cameras i feel like knowing that that's the one with the red light on yeah she would have seen him just tilt down be like because that's the thing they have those giant like handles basically and you physically have to lift the camera it's not like it's automated or you can just like use a button on the camera it's like no you physically move it (laughs) yeah now he's really creepy and the fact that the woman in the booth had to be like I'll take care of it I was like no we need to like have a talk with this man about harassment yep like this is a thing and I anyway well, and that's why there's a floor director and the producer. And Brandon, you're the news director. Figure it out. Yeah. Get, ri- get rid of cameraman two and bring in David. Mm-hmm. Problem solved. Then or Donna. Oh, please bring in Donna. <laughs> but yeah, but- so then we can pivot away from the TV station for a little bit. Because we have a bigger scene for probably a plot of this episode Mm -hmm. i would agree and so basically what we see here is kelly and jimmy looking through jimmy's photo albums adorable and for the first time he points out gordon his husband and you know (laughs) i love there's one comment i forgot to write it down but something that jimmy said like i think kelly makes a comment about jimmy's outfit he's like oh this is really your color and jimmy says something about like oh yeah yeah Gordon always said oh you got it 
Gordon always said I was the master of selective flamboyance. Yeah, like how cute is that? Like, I, I just love that he is a proud gay man, but not a stereotype, you know, but just somehow fit sometimes, you know, just like sometimes I'm fashionable. <laughs> I just, I love Jimmy so much. And I love this idea that he's got all of his memories that he's showing Kelly and, you know, previously we've seen him not want to talk about Gordon and now mm-hmm. he's starting to like open up a little bit about him and like feel better about remembering him. Then we have a weird moment where Hal, I'm assuming, because he's the only other named character we've met at Friendship House, comes in and is a real rude sir. (laughs) Yeah, he like walks up. He's like, oh, here's the angel of mercy. And Kelly just like because of Jimmy's advice from either last episode or the episode before was just like, you know, don't give into it. Just like come in here and do your job, like whatever. She's like hey, you want to sit down with us for dinner? And he's just like, I don't want your pity. And so it's like, clearly there's no winning this man over. Yeah, and then he leaves and we don't see him for the rest of the episode. So Mm -hmm. there's that. But Kelly and Jimmy go to start making dinner together. He asks for a knife out of the butcher's block, which is at that point I was like, Okay, so this is happening. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very, very obvious. Not just like, hey, can you hand me that knife? And Well, and I was waiting to see how it happened. Like, yeah, maybe she went to go hand it to him and, like, they weren't paying enough attention Mm -hmm. because they were still talking about photos and memories. And, like, they both get a cut on their hands. Or, like, you know, she tries to grab the knife. Like, I don't know. Even just – she hands it to him the wrong way, which mm-hmm. I was following the knife, like literally like watching, like eye tracking it. And she turns it around and hands it to him the correct way. So I was like, all right, it's not like, it's not that way. <laughs> it always makes me nervous when people are using knives on TV because like, it's going to be fine. They would only do it the incorrect way if that was mm-hmm. supposed to be done that way, True. presumably. Which is so funny because, like, there have been scenes in this show specifically where the knife handling is just bad. Right? But, like, yeah, in this specific moment where, like, blood is on the line, they're going to do it right. Mm -hmm. But other times, yeah, like, oh, God, who was it? Was it Claire that was just, like, mutilating a zucchini or something? (laughs) I think so. But yeah, like Michael was in the room for that scene and he was like, she just grabbed a knife. Why is Kelly ripping up the lettuce with her hands? (laughs) But he does cut himself. And, you know, Kelly immediately runs and gets paper towel for him. Like there is not even a moment in her brain that she's like, I have to like step away and, you know, blood. Yeah. Which like. Not that I would be freaking out from the disease aspect of it necessarily, but blood makes me very queasy. Mm, so, like, interesting. yeah, I can't get blood drawn. I can't look. Yeah, Nate can't see the blood being taken either. But like, if he gets a cut, I get a cut. Whatever. Like, he's fine. It's just he can't physically see it coming. Like, it's weird. It's like if he gets like a big cut on his hand, he can see the blood coming out of his hand, and it'd be fine. But getting it drawn, he's like, oh, no. <laughs> nope. We're going to stop talking about it. I already feel bad. My <laughs> okay. stomach hurts. Uh, 
Okay, well, moving on. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. She has no qualms whatsoever. She immediately tries to ban or like, you know, get it under control. But then it's like, boom, like glass shatter moment. And the good news is, is Jimmy is calm the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously he knows the gravity of the situation, but he's just like, it's okay. You don't have any cuts or open wounds or rashes or open cuticles. And she's like, no, I don't think so, you know, because obviously you're like, if, if you don't normally have to think about it, you're, you're not thinking about it. And, you know, I even looked at my cuticles at the time and I was like, do I have open cuticles? And because I feel like that's really common. Like, even if you just get a little hangnail or something like that's a tiny open wound, but it's still an open wound. Mm-hmm. And then, of yeah, course, you fucked. Can... I have like 20 hangnails right now. Same. Yeah, I get like, them all the time. Literally just looking at my hands in this episode I was like I need to get a manicure and then like wrap my hands up for a month and just not touch them <laughs> well and it's it's so interesting and I think that Jenny does a really good job in the scene of like building the anxiety right like she doesn't like she goes from this is normal I'm going to take care of you to a very subtle incline mm-hmm. of anxiety right because now she's like clearly freaking out but she doesn't She's playing it like she almost doesn't want Jimmy to feel at fault, right? Like, she's very much like, oh, my God, I'm starting to panic. I'm starting to panic. But I still love Jimmy, you know? Yeah. There's, like, so many emotions, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's panic. There's shock. There's, like, you know, trying not to be a person who's going to, like, jump to a conclusion here. But when she, like, starts washing her hands and they're freaking out – She's freaking out. She's like, all this blood, it's infected. Like, it's like she's trying to, like, process it in her brain. And, yeah, yeah, Jimmy is, like, he's that kind of person that when somebody else freaks out, he's ready to, like, be the calm person, get you through Mm -hmm. the situation, talk you through it. And he keeps saying, like, this is not how it happens. Mm -hmm. You were fine. You don't have open cuts. Even if you did, it's like a one in a million chance that anything would happen just wash your hands. It's okay. Yeah. And I love that. I actually kind of love that, um, that quote, all this blood is infected, not because just plainly what it is, but how it was read because it is kind of that disbelief and almost like this blood looks like my blood, but the different, I can't see the difference. Mm -hmm. You know, the difference is something underlying that I can't see that you can't see, but somehow your blood is different than my blood and that's a problem you know like it's I thought it was beautifully done um and it I think delicately done you know like obviously and especially when this aired the AIDS epidemic was in full force you know like especially learning about it and and people being outspoken about being HIV positive things like that And so I think this was actually, like, I know later on we get a little bit more, like, you know, like, PSA, like, for lack of a better word. But I think this part was handled well to kind of show, here's somebody that lives with this every day. Here's somebody that doesn't. Here's how you can still coexist and be totally BFFs and and co-mingling and all that. But there's a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I, I... kind of appreciated that part yeah no I really appreciate when this show can manage to like step up and you know even so much time later like we're looking at it being like this still works like Mm -hmm. 
it's not like things have changed and we know differently now or like human like what's okay in society has changed like this is still all of the information that that doctor says later is still the thing oh for sure and like the way that you know kelly interacts with jimmy or even how steve talks like this does work it does and i do love how they had kelly be Mm -hmm. throughout the whole episode yeah because you know, so we've already talked about Brandon and Tracy. There's a short moment where David is drinking margaritas in the middle of the day, cold calling people. We'll get back to David. Mm-hmm. But the next time we see Kelly is like the next day, presumably. And she's still like really washing her hands. Like, especially in the world we live in today, oh I was just like, I am remembering the PSAs and like, here is how you wash your hands from a couple years ago. God, and just how dry our hands got. From just washing them every time we did anything. Oh, and you know if her hands get real dry from the overwashing, she's going to get a hangnail or something and be like, has this been here? Yeah, or her skin's going to crack. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. And, you know, she hasn't told anybody about what's happening. So, like, Donna comes in. She's on the phone. They're, like, looking for something Aaron might have left last time that she was babysitting. But Kelly is, like, still in her own brain. She can't get out of it. She's talking about AIDS statistics. And then Jimmy calls. And I love this so much that he's like, I feel terrible. Mm -hmm. I can get you in with my doctor so you can get a test and, like, really have the peace of mind that I think you deserve. Yeah. And she keeps pretending she's fine, but then she won't hang out with him. Yep. It's – he kind of, like, pivots a little bit to try to see if that – resolves things and he says he's like nervous about the upcoming performance and would love it if she could rehearse with him and yeah she says she's busy because of school but we all know it's because of the incident Mm -hmm. and and he knows too yeah he immediately knows and he's like nope it's okay it's fine it's whatever he like immediately tries to dismiss but what I kind of loved is that even still Kelly was like, Jimmy, I'll be there every other day, just like normal. Like, Mm -hmm. there's a part of her that is still like, I love Jimmy. I love my job right now. I'm still going to be there for you in the capacity that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But she's panicking because of the, like, added added time, I think. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah, I just – when they both hang up the phone and they both clearly feel so awful, Mm -hmm. I felt – so much hurt I was like I just want you two to be best friends forever and me too and and this this is another instance where I'm like they really nailed most of this storyline because I think it is really a it's really normal for Kelly to be feeling this way b it's really normal for Jimmy to be feeling this way and c I can see this playing out in a real friendship Mm -hmm. Kelly being too afraid on multiple levels to tell Jimmy that she's still affected by this and um, not wanting to confront it head on, you know, like, like, yeah, you don't want conflict. You don't want to say something that would upset, like Jimmy can't help that he has AIDS. He can't, mm-hmm. he has it. And that's what it is. Kelly doesn't want to make him feel bad for that. And doesn't want to make him feel bad for, you know, getting cut and, and all of that. But at the same time, Kelly's like, I'm still freaked out. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it was just all handled, I think, appropriately. 
Yeah, I agree. And I like that we kind of get a little bit of space mm-hmm. in between that scene and the next time we see Kelly. Yep. Because we got to go back to Val and Kenny Bannerman <sighs> who, you know, they're talking business again, whatever. He's done something better than she did, which is the only reason I noticed that they were talking about business. Mm-hmm. But they were supposed to go out to dinner and Kenny bails because he, quote unquote, just found out about parent night at Michael's school. Yeah. Like, I don't know. He could legitimately have just found out about it. Mm -hmm. He could also have forgotten about it because he's been less attentive because he's doing too many things at once. Yeah. Or he could be using it as an excuse. Yeah. And this part, like triggered me just a tad because I distinctly remember when I was like, I don't know, 12, 13, 14, something like that. And having like a band concert or a volleyball game or something like that. And my mom deliberately not telling my dad until the last possible minute. Mm -hmm. So it's like, (laughs) I very much remembered that. So I was like, yeah, that's highly possible during a divorce or even after a divorce if your parents hate each other. Like, <laughs> that's very possible. But yeah, I I can also see what you just said, too, about him still managing a million different things and just forgetting about it. And we don't know enough about Kenny yet to, like, know if he is going to play Val. But at mm-hmm. the same time, we know he's got all the control in this situation. So he can manipulate and he can basically do what he wants because Val's going to be there because she's also his client. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of manipulation, like the rest of this scene is not a great relationship between the two of them because, I mean, yeah, kind of going off of what you said where like one parent could deliberately be telling the other parent really late to kind of mess with their relationship. Like, Kenny makes a comment. He's just looking out for Michael's best interest. Like he needs to go be a dad tonight. That's why he can't have a date with his girlfriend, even though he is still currently married. Mm-hmm. But then Val makes a comment about like women being attracted to married men. And Kenny says, I thought you weren't going to come between me and my family. To which Val replies, I'm not, but you can't use them to come between me and you. And First of all, what? <laughs> Second of all, not a healthy relationship. This is what a relationship looks like between one person who is significantly older and the other person is still in college. Like, yeah. This is literally showing age difference here between a maturity level, life experience. I'm not saying either one of them is right. I'm just saying like this is very clearly – separate life stages Mm -hmm. and what's priority and what's not. Yeah. I think it's very clear that Val has not had the experience in her life to understand putting children as a priority first. Yeah, exactly. And family for that matter. Yeah. Yeah, Let's be real. She hasn't been made priority by her family. Yeah. Her mom hasn't been in the story since the last time she was very clearly not in Val's life. Yep. And – You know, we know there's something going on with Val's dad that we don't understand. And on top of that, like, just being the kid in the relationship doesn't give you the understanding of what it means to be a parent. Correct. Exactly. We're still watching season one of Boy Meets World where Corey just seems to, like, 
get all of these emotionally immature concepts at 11. And it's like, this is how you know it's like feel good TV because uh uh-uh. Well, and I love, I think the most recent episode of that podcast of Pod Meets World, they're like, I think Will ends up saying, yeah, it's funny how each episode Corey learns a lesson at the detriment of literally every other student in in the classroom. (laughs) Then we had a couple of short scenes to like really kind of progress the, you know, BC plots before we get back to Kelly and the A plot. And Mel has come over to the beach apartment to get the coloring book that Aaron had left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do love that he was like, we didn't have it, so naturally it's daddy's fault. I know. I love that. I like was like, he, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. She didn't have her princess coloring book, sir. Think about her her scope <laughs> of life. <laughs> it's either going to be mom or dad. <laughs> but he ends up, you know, pivoting to talk about David And Donna totally blows up David's spot and tells Mel that not only has David dropped out of college, he lied to Mel about it. Good for her. Yeah. And I think this is the scene where she says, like, I think I was right to tell you this. Yeah. I mean, and I appreciate that. Like, you never know if you're actually doing the right thing when you do that. But yeah, I think she's totally in the right here. I mean, he's essentially embezzling money from Mel. And... Also, he's been treating her like crap. So she's probably like, he's not going to listen to anything I say. He basically hates me. So I need to tell his dad. Yeah. I mean, making the comment about, you know, embezzling money from Mel is probably the biggest point here. Like, I do think Donna cares that David is dropping out of college. Yeah. I think she cares more about his relationship with his dad. And if Mel finds out he's essentially stealing money a lot later down the line, that's going to make a huge difference. Agreed. Yeah. Then we go to Casa Walsh. Steve and Brandon are just being a little buddy-buddy. But Val comes in. I just have to make one comment about before Val comes in. When Steve is just talking into a corn, trying to get Brandon to, like, make him a sports reporter, I'm like – First of all, this scene is just to show off Steve's muscles and his Uh little tank top and jorts. And just the confidence and the, the like, just belief that Steve can just do whatever he wants to because he knows Brandon. Like, he's like, come on, Brandon, you got to make me support the reporter. And it's like, on what grounds? (laughs) For what reasons? Because you just like Dan Patrick on SportsCenter? No. It, it always reminds me, one of my favorite episodes, because we watch it every year with friends at Thanksgiving, where Joey wants to get uh, Monica and Chandler to forgive them for going to the hockey game. And he goes, I can do it. And he's got the <laughs> eyes real wide. And Ross just goes, he can do it. <laughs> like, this is what I think of when Steve wants to do things. He's like, just let me be a sports reporter. I can do it. Yeah. It's like he's so convinced for no reason. No reason. He has no experience. That's all I wanted to say. And then Val comes in with roses and she won't tell Brandon and Steve who they're from, even though Brandon does that like, don't you want to stop and smell the roses? And then his little jaunt into the living room, his little like, he puts his hands up like paws and just 
Oh my god, I love him. I just I just want so much footage of just Casa Walsh because like she goes upstairs and then Brandon and Steve are like, you can't stop her. You can only contain her. And then like, they high five. They're so freaking cute when they're not. It's almost like, all right, let's just keep the camera rolling. There's no actual script here. Just continue. It's and so great. Yeah. Like, what else do they do? <laughs> I would literally, I would probably watch like a simulcast of Brandon and Steve watching sports. Yep. And then we go back to the beach apartment for the A plot. Kelly can't sleep. She's up late in the living room looking at photos. And slowly Donna and Claire both come out and are just like, what's happening? Why are we all awake so late? Mm-hmm. And Kelly finally tells them what happened. Yep. And I think it's a good a, a good thing that she's up front about what mm-hmm. happened. And – I also appreciate Claire kind of reiterating what Jimmy had already said. And it's like, you can't get AIDS that way. You know, she's kind of being the logic in this moment, which is actually kind of makes me think of when Steve said, this is why I love you, Claire, because you're so logical. It's like, yeah, Claire is probably very good at handling the facts. And Donna's Mm -hmm. very good at handling the emotion. And Donna even offers like, Hey, I can get my dad on the phone just to like, give you peace of mind and Kelly's like why is everybody trying to offer a doctor to me if they think that this isn't how you get AIDS and Claire's just like peace of mind which like yeah yeah." like this is what god even just um relating it back to what today's world is like like if testing is not a bad thing Mm -hmm. if anything else is just peace of mind like just know for sure that you do or don't have it like just because you get tested doesn't mean you have it (laughs) Yeah, well, because, you know, they finally go to bed and Kelly is still in the same moment where she's just like, everyone keeps saying I have to go to a doctor, but then they say I'm fine. And then she has a full on stress dream about this where Mm -hmm. she's at the doctor. She's like, yeah, I just want a peace of mind. I'm just here for this. And then she rolls up her sleeves and she's got this like, oh, I wrote it down when I Googled it and then I don't have it in my notes, but it's like rash that's basically yeah. associated with AIDS. Although I did look it up and you technically have to have both diseases to get the rash, oh, which might might be newer information than back than then. what was then, yeah. Yeah. Um, but she has it all over her body. This doctor is just like, oh yeah, that's an AIDS rash. And she wakes up like essentially in a cold sweat, runs to her mirror and has to check. Yeah. Yeah, this is like haunting her dreams, like sleep and awake. Yeah, but then the next morning, I'm assuming that this dream like is the straw that broke the camel's back to actually get her to go to the doctor. And Jimmy's there too. Like while she's waiting, she's looking at a magazine. All of a sudden, Jimmy walks in. He does a sleight of hand trick to give her like this little rose, which was adorable. Um, And she starts to like push him away clearly it's because she's scared but she's like i want to do this alone mm-hmm. blah 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 this is when jimmy then reveals how he actually contracted the aids virus and he says that he and gordon were tested they were both negative so they decided to have unprotected sex but apparently gordon wasn't monogamous um and there's there's like two things i wanted to say about that number one 
I was a little confused that they got tested and were both negative, but then Jimmy still contracted it. So I'm assuming they tested negative sometime in between testing negative and Jimmy and Gordon sleeping together. Gordon went and slept with somebody else. That's the only thing I can think of logically. Yeah. So he also makes that comment that Gordon wasn't monogamous. So like as wonderful a man as Gordon might have been, there is a chance that he cheated on Jimmy, slept with somebody else unprotected, and then brought it back into their Mm. relationship. Yeah. It's just – which is awful on a couple levels. But then the one that – the quote that made me so just – was Kelly saying, I can't believe there's a disease that kills lovers. And I just was like, oh, my God. Like, first of all, I love, love, love that the writers never once made Kelly fearful, unaccepting, intolerant, and sensitive to the fact that Jimmy was in a same-sex relationship. Mm -hmm. We've seen Kelly be wonderful to men who have revealed their sexuality to them. Remember Kyle? Sweet Kyle? (laughs) I miss Kyle. Like, so I just, I love that it was never even, it was just, here's something about Jimmy, but it's not his entire identity. Mm -hmm. And he can feel safe with Kelly. And this is still 1996. Like, I love it. And then the second thing, just to put like, you know, icing on the cake here with, I can't believe there's a disease that kills lovers. She's acknowledging their love as if it's the most normal thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And she's mad at the disease, not what happened. Like, oh, it was just, it was so heavy in that moment. And I I was like, oh my gosh, I have to sit with this for a minute. I know. I wrote it down too. But then it like, they, they killed me with this mm-hmm. because then it's her turn at the doctor, which is like the only reason that she gets up. And he says, like, you can turn away from me if you want. And then there's that very long pause where neither of them say anything. And then she just, like, keeps the conversation going. She's like, wish me luck. Yeah. And so it's like, like clearly there's a deeper care for each other in this moment where Jimmy is – breaks my heart he's almost used to people turning away from him because Mm -hmm. of his disease but kelly in that moment considers it thinks on it and then says wish me luck like doesn't even say like no i'm not going to do that or yeah i'm going to do that but in her own way allows him to know that she's not going to do that Mm -hmm. oh jimmy i love sweet jimmy best friends forever this feels like stranger things where they've introduced a side character and they're gonna kill him off they're they're made us fall in love with him and they're gonna kill him off and oh jimmy yeah no it's it's like a lot of directors and writers who decide that like nobody is truly safe you loved them joyce wants to just leave the show Mm -hmm. no i have to kill her god seriously though and so you get another short scene where Tracy starts freaking out at the TV station. I don't think it's incredibly important other than the fact that she's freaking out because we'll deal with that in a minute. Yeah, because she specifically says like, oh, I need a drink. Yeah. But we go back and Kelly is with her doctor who 
pretty much says like, hey, if this is exactly what you said happened, you didn't get exposed. You're fine. However, let's talk about the ways that you can be exposed. Mm -hmm. And then he asks if she's ever had an HIV test, which, you know, an STD panel in general probably, Mm -hmm. and is like, okay, well, did you have any, you know, partners that you ever had unprotected sex with? Really pushes on that, which bothered me just because he's like, are you sure? Not even once. Which I think was an actor choice. I don't think it was like, you know, a thing. But Yeah. Because that's the thing is like before the HIV and AIDS epidemic, really the – there were – it's not like there weren't STDs and like people knew that you could get it from having unprotected sex, but the most thing that people told you could happen if you had unprotected sex was a baby. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, and, and still like unprotected sex in this regard, like birth control doesn't stop STDs. Birth control, mm-hmm. like a contraceptive does not do that. So when they say that, they literally mean condom. Yeah. And, you know, he starts saying like, okay, have any of your partners had a drug problem? Were they intravenous, i.e. Mm-hmm. using needles, potentially sharing needles? Mm-hmm. Have they been tested? Like, I think you're safe from the incident that occurred with, you know, the knife and the blood on the hands and et cetera. Mm-hmm. But let's go ahead and get you an HIV test because sexually transmitted diseases in general happen in a very specific way. Yeah, exactly. And again, the whole point of testing is like what you just said, but it's also the easy part, mm-hmm. right? The test is the easy thing. It's the stigma that comes behind it. That's the hard part, right? Because you just automatically associate testing with positive. Mm-hmm. So I, I totally understand the fear for sure. And I think they actually did it in a smart way. Yeah, because honestly, like, I think the worst part here is between saying like, okay, well, you're you're fine from what happened, but like you could have contracted something mm-hmm. the other way and not know. So let's do this. And then you have to sit and wait for the results. Like Exactly. Yeah. Literally, like feel like it's not to the same gravity, like, you know, but it's like going and getting tested for COVID or monkeypox or something right now where like you got to wait for the culture to cultivate. Yeah. And I hate it. I know. It's not instantaneous. Yeah. And, you know, once again, we're going to take a break, develop the other plots. Val has to go talk to Kenny again. And he wants to talk about the flowers that he got her. He says, oh, I know a guy. He's been married six times and loves yellow roses. And I don't know. They decide to have another date. (laughs) yeah she's like makes a comment she's like so you're taking advice from a guy who's been married six times and he's like well yeah he gives good dinner spot recommendations honestly when he said i know a guy who's been married six times my notes just go ross (laughs) my god my first thought was pierce hawthorne from community (laughs) (laughs) neither of whom i would trust exactly just the scene where he ranks his ex-wives by number from favorite to least favorite (laughs) oh Oh, my goodness goodness. yeah no neither of these people would I trust not even for dinner reservations no 
And then we see Mel come visit David, who David is just like trying so hard to deflect. And I love Mel being like, I'm trying to give you an opening. Like he's yeah. giving him so many moments to be like, oh, yeah, school. I dropped out of school. Mm-hmm. And David tries to say like, I was going to tell you once I figured out what was going on in my life. And Mel says, too bad. Canceled your check. The point is you didn't tell me. Yep. He cuts him off immediately. And it just, again, the doubling down and the weird overconfidence when Dave was like, fine, I don't need your money anyway. Yes, you do. You don't have a job. (laughs) Well, and when Mel says, like, I know you dropped out of school, David's first reaction is, who told you? Oh, of course. Of course. Like, missing the point. The point is over there. (laughs) You're in the backyard. Exactly. And... You know, we kind of like putting everything together. We see David the next time drinking his margaritas at the coffee table again, cold calling. And he does get somebody on the phone who says they watched his tape and that they didn't like it. So they're not signing him. Exactly. So out of all the people he called, one person called him back and declined. Yeah. And I think actually getting the rejection makes him realize like, oh, I'm going to end up with no place to live and no education and no job. I should go back to school for at least mm-hmm. the semester. Mm-hmm. Which but not before I sulk. And, you know, earlier in the episode, Donna had, had told him he had time. So, like, presumably all's well that ends well. But, yeah, he has got to be in a mood for a little while longer. Meanwhile. And- <laughs> also day drinking. Also, day drinking is technically just Tracy, as far as I can tell. It looks yes. like Brandon has an orange juice, and I think Mark, Mark has water, water, but they very well could have been a screwdriver and straight vodka, for all we know. Um, but Tracy has extremely watered-down scotch, um, and this is her third, and she's now drunk, and oh my god, this is the first time she's ever had a drink, and she chooses scotch? I know. <laughs> like, I was, girlfriend, get yourself a vodka cranberry. <laughs> I mean, they definitely had wine coolers at this point. Oh, for sure. Get yourself a Smirnoff ice <laughs> like we all used to have as our first bevies. Oh, my gosh. But no, she chooses one of the hardest liquors to sip. And yeah. she's chugging it. I was going to say, she ain't sipping. <laughs> yeah. um, ma'am, that's a sipping whiskey. <laughs> And then hammered and hammered. the whole time Mark and Brandon are sitting on both sides of her being like, shouldn't you slow down? Yeah. Knowing she has to go on TV. Brandon's like, oh, I hope you can hold your liquor. She passes out. Like, this is very sitcom Again, I'm like, oh, my God, the cheese, the cheesiness of this whole thing. And yeah, they take her back to the studio and are like, we'll get her a pot of coffee. She'll be fine. But then they literally, it's like three, two, one, go. And she crushes it. Oh, kills it. She's like, and we're doing it live. And she just nails it. I don't, I wonder if she had a teleprompter or if she like was so nervous earlier, she just memorized it all. (laughs) This feels very like when you're younger and you're like, no, I'm better at beer pong when I'm drunk. Oh, for sure. Because we are. (laughs) (laughs) 
the amount of things I've said I'm better at when I'm drinking have been like very quickly proven wrong in my older age. I mean, all you have to do if you've been drinking with beer pong is focus on one cup and aim for it, and it goes to the other cup on the right-hand side, and you still sink it. So that's, prob- I don't know how it works. I just know it does. <laughs> the problem is my depth perception also goes, so I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm going to hit that one in the front, aim for it. It not only goes to the right, but it stops like three feet short. Mm, yes. Okay. Well. We can't all be wonderful at beer pong. We're not all Tracy. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, back to the A-plot. Kelly has come home. Claire and Donna are sitting with her waiting for the doctor to call. And I appreciate that they are sitting with her and, like, they're trying to have this conversation because Kelly says, like, oh, if I have HIV, I'll move out of the house. Yeah. And then Donna says – something I don't remember but Kelly immediately turns to her and says that's easy for you to say you're a virgin yeah I mean because Kelly's like I'm just thinking about all the guys I've been with I'm like um isn't that literally just Steve Brandon Colin Dylan well there was also the guy before Steve and then after she got the reputation presumably guys Mm. in between Steve and when we picked up the show that's fair but at the same time I'm like Kelly, you really only have to think about recent history, you know, because of like, if she contracted HIV, if she had contracted HIV from first ever partner, she would have like had, she would have shown symptoms over, this has been years. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a spiral mm-hmm. that's happening oh, for right sure, now. for sure, right? for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she got a little mean about it. And then <laughs> as soon as she says that to Donna, I was just like, well, what about Claire? Because I know Claire has had sex with people before mm-hmm. and people that Kelly has had sex with. Right. They're Eskimo <laughs> <But> sisters. <laughs> they are. But, you know, whatever. Kelly's freaking out. It's like an emotional reaction. Donna does not take it personally in any way, shape, or form. No, because she's an angel. Yeah. And then the doctor calls. Kelly's negative. She's fine. Let's all go to the magic show. I swear to God, when Donna says, let's get ready for the magic show, it was ADR'd because they were like, yeah. no one's going to know where we're going. Yeah, exactly. She's like, let's go. <laughs> and it was like, you. they weirdly cut back to a close-up of the gang and they like didn't see any signs of like Donna having just said anything. <laughs> I know. They were like, we have to be very clear what's happening. Oh, it's the back of her head. She can talk. Yep. (laughs) And yeah, so the magic show is a magic show. Um, You know, Mark shows up because he's still trying to get in with Kelly. Donna sits next to David and admits that she's the one that told Mel what happened and he says she ruined his life. Oh, my God. Like, he's so freaking dramatic. He's so dramatic. And then she realizes how mean he's being and is like, have you – I think you might have had enough to drink. And he goes, oh, so you're just going to be holier than thou. Like, what? Like, walk away, Donna. Leave him be. Jesus and, Christ. Like, he apologizes, but – I'm like, no, I I put it in quotes. I was like, he, quote unquote, apologizes. 
Yeah, I put some exclamation points on the back of it of just like disbelief. Yeah. Because, you know, what would be great is if he could start not having to have the behavior and then apologize and just not do it. But something is going on with David and his favorite punching bag is just constantly available. And for some reason, sweet baby angel Donna cannot seem to just walk away. Yeah. I mean, sorry implies that you are not going to do it again and you've learned your lesson. So I don't believe David at all when he says sorry. Yeah. yeah. Actions speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. But the magic show has started. Jimmy picks Steve as a volunteer, which Steve, to his credit, does get up and do. Which, of course, they pick Steve and he's visibly nervous, not because of the spotlight, because we all know he's not afraid of that. He's afraid of being on a stage with somebody who's HIV HIV positive. I cannot talk today. And then there's that dumb joke about Steve being the straight man. Mm. I was like, we don't need gay panic in here as well. We can just like calm down now. Yeah. Um, But the show goes on well. There's like a moment where Jimmy starts coughing, but it seems like it's part of the act because he coughs up a frog in his throat. And then quick cutaway to Val and Kenny at the Bell Lodge with room service and jazz playing, and I refuse to talk about it any more than that. Ugh. But after the magic show, Kelly is at Friendship House with Jimmy showing him photos that are so clearly screen grabs. And <laughs> not like I'm not saying they had to like stop and take cast no. photos, but I would have loved it they did. Because I feel like, you know, in an age of digital photography and social media and all that, you get so many behind-the-scenes photos where everyone's just like, oh, let's take a moment. Like, especially when you have, you know, shows like this where you're not wearing a ton of costumes, like Riverdale behind-the-scenes and TikToks and stuff. Like, Oh, my gosh. Yes. I love the, the three ladies TikTok account. Yeah. But... That's not what happens here because I guess, you know, they didn't expect to have this. So it's just like screenshots clearly of like a bunch of candid photos. Mm -hmm. Kelly never looks at a camera (laughs) in this photo album. Neither does Brandon. (laughs) Which he points out. He was like, oh, who's this? It's like, he's cute. I'm like, yeah, he is kind of (laughs) cute. He is. Like now that we love him, I can appreciate more how much of a cutie he is. (laughs) Um, but it's, you know, a whole reunion moment where she apologizes for abandoning him and she wants to look at his photos again, at which point he's kind of just like, no, they're put away. Like, they're put away. Mm -hmm. This is, this is it. And she sets up her camera to take a photo so my she can heart. keep it forever. My heart. Because he's been putting this whole emphasis on, like, keeping your memories and keeping them close and, like, people you love, you know, close to you. Because at one point he's like, I want to see pictures of you. And she says, well, I don't have any on me. He's like, well, why not? You should keep the people you love close to you. And I'm just like, oh, Jimmy, you're a very, like, carpe diem kind of guy and I love you and yeah make Kelly keep photos of Brenda in her wallet (laughs) yeah like nothing makes me happier than when Google Photos just like sends me an alert and is like here are your current memories and Mm -hmm. we'll just be like 15 photos of my cats (laughs) 
from the last week. These are the ones I hold dear. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, mine's all noodle, so I get it. And that's the episode. We end on a little bit of a somber note, but also a sentimental note. So mm. it just, uh, I don't want Jimmy to go away. No, like I honestly, I have zero complaints about the A story. I think Kelly yeah. and Jimmy are a treasured friendship that I will hold dear for the rest of my life. Mostly Jimmy because he is an angel. Mm-hmm. But like I think they handled handled it well. I think the you know Donna and David stuff is just a repeat of things we've seen before and hopefully like this is setting something up for David to have an arc this series like that there's a point to it. Don't totally understand what's going on with Mark Brandon and Tracy but again it's episode four hate Kenny can't wait for him to leave yeah agreed feel real bad that this is the storyline they gave Val yeah I I just feel like she is always a device Mm -hmm. she's always the other woman the speed bump the shiny object and I loved when she was in the process of, like, getting the pee pad and running the business. But now she's just a foil in somebody else's relationship. Yeah. And I just want her to have her own storyline that has nothing to do with men. Yeah. It's like they haven't truly upgraded her to the cast. Right. And that feels weird. It really does. (sighs) So, do you have a quote of the week? do okay well uh i feel like i've got a serious answer which is i can't believe there's an incurable disease that kills lovers Mm -hmm. and then i have a less than serious guess of that's easy for you to say donna you're a virgin and then i have my favorite moment is the donna adr line of let's get ready for the magic show (laughs) All good guesses. Mary, what you got? All I have is a paraphrase because I did not write down any quotes. Um, But it was Claire talking about Steve just being like, like saying you have to ignore, like ignore Steve to even make him palatable. Like you got to pick and choose which qualities to acknowledge to um, make him a decent person. And she's absolutely right. Like we've been yes. saying this yeah. for six and six seasons and four episodes. <laughs> yeah. Totally agree. Um, yeah. So my quote of the week is in fact, I can't believe there's a disease that kills lovers from Kelly to Jimmy. It just, just it oh just the fact that I had to sit with it. You know, it's not like it was an overly eloquent piece of writing or anything like that but it was just very very real and I think the focus of the sentence was correct Mm -hmm. you know like it was appropriately blame was given and fault was given and malice was given to the right object of that sentence you know yeah so totally agree what about you Mary um I didn't really have one but I did go ahead and just 
Jews anyway, and it was Tracy keeping everyone's expectations super low just so that she could over-deliver on the promise she didn't give us to do a good job. <laughs> I do really love when she, like, gives her lines and then they cut to that, like, you know, 30-second bump that she did the voiceover for, and Brandon's like, you did good, and she goes, why are you yelling? I like Tracy I'm just confused about what's happening there and I assume she's a new love interest now that I say that out loud and I'm not ready well that's the thing like she seems like a new Susan but a knockoff Susan no offense to Tracy we only just met her yeah yeah and I I guess kind of going off of that what's next week's episode well Next week, we have Season 7, Episode 5, Pledging My Love. I mean, pledging is a fraternity thing. Sure is. That's all I got. I don't know. We'll find out. Yes, we will. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at back 2 Podcast. You can also send us over an email of anything um, that you want, your comments, your thoughts, your questions, any kind of feedback whatsoever. We'd love to hear it just to get a feel for what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, what we can improve on, all that jazz. And you can send that to us at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with all your friends and family. All that stuff really helps us get seen and build a community and all of that helps us give you a better product. And if you give us a review in Apple Podcasts, we will give you a shout out on the show because we really appreciate you. So from all of us at Back to Podcast, you can't stop me. You can only contain me. I must have had a frog in my throat. And I got to go make some more margs and call everyone I know in show business. Bye. Bye. See ya.